Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show where every Friday we'll be covering another instalment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and Weird Geeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show. Every single Friday we take you through another installment of Classic Horror Retrospective Franchise. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me into a new series of, I don't know how to put it in one sentence because it's complicated, we'll get there, is Katie Watson. Hi. And returning Shannon Honda. Hello. Shocker. Ah! I think when we left you last, Shannon, <laughs> you were crying in a ditch somewhere yep. after the conjuring, yep. after doing some 80 slashes, yep. and you're like, I am done. Yep. I've paid my dues. I'm never coming yep. back. What the fuck happened? Glutton for punishment, I guess. And a straight up <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> good all right now that's covered we're gonna get more into that story in a second but if you're new to us hello welcome please head out to wegeeks.com wearegeeks.com where you can patch out to all of our previous podcasts you can listen to a whole bunch of shows about a whole bunch of nonsense where we talk through just the fucking we just did piranhas that was a whole thing i enjoy that shannon stop tilting the camera down to your boobs please let's look at your oh. face <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that That's was not my intention. God, Jesus Christ. I have none. I'm doing this podcast. You, Clearly just, there's none left. I know. I was like, you've watched too many slasher films already. All your bio photos make you look like America's little sweetheart. And That's we know right. the real That's Shannon That's right. Now. I am America's sweetheart. She's like, why are we looking <laughs> my at my God. face? Um, welcome to the next however many weeks of your life. So there's going to be a long show. How, what was I doing? How was I doing a rigmarole about stuff before you fucking did that bullshit? Weirdgeeks.com. <laughs> yeah, please go to iTunes and your podcast apps and your Blackberries and subscribe to us and rate us. Because we don't do patrons. We don't do banner ads. And by the love of God, we're not going to try and sell you any. Panty liners. <laughs> no. Fucking Shannon, ridiculous. You gotta do it. <laughs> oh, liners mm-hmm. Although you might need okay. that. It's more like this is definitely like a therapy session you each know? week. Pumpkin spice panty liners. I just like to see what's the first thing that comes out of your brain. You know, you it's like pumpkins. what's the what? What is it? When just like yeah, association. Apparently, panty liners on the brain for me. <laughs> apparently, panty we could try and sell pumpkin spice Ooh, panty liners. Those would be a hit with the millennials. I'll bet they would be a big hit. Tell you what. I have a lot of Do people family. actually buy you know, you know edible panties. Do people actually buy that? I, yeah. It sounds like yeah, I would assume so because they're like a thing, right? You, they wouldn't make them yeah. if people didn't buy them. Yeah, but when I say buy, I mean of course people buy them. People buy all kind of bullshit. But do people actually then use them? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Is it just like a gift? Because like the reality of an edible panty is like when you're down there, you're gonna get distracted for about ten minutes of crunching some sweets, and that's not really what you want yeah. to be doing. I mean, I. So it seems very I impractical. I would not wear them because I don't want you. I don't want anyone to be distracted. Like I want them to be focused no. and not thinking about. You don't want to go. Oh, candy right, time! Exactly. Because <laughs> well, especially, it would like, be nice to like have someone associate that with like snacks and things that they enjoy so i get it i mean i think they should already Mm. be associating that with that i don't know not everybody does 
That's true. Why are you circumnavigating words like experts? Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family exactly. podcast, damn it. And we don't talk about going down on nobody. <laughs> I mean, My if there were like corn dog flavored condoms or something <laughs> that were edible, I'd be probably more excited about giving blowjobs. So. Is it just about getting older that people move past like flavored condoms, or is that was that a thing of the nineties, or is it just now we're older so, we don't notice they it? They taste so terrible. Yeah, like, there aren't people still not do actually it. Actually, good. Yeah, people still do it. Can Again, I, I remember like, you get fucking curry flavored ones. More enjoyable for everyone. <laughs> right. They're just trying to encourage people to do it more. <laughs> yeah. I do remember a great advert in the nineties for glow in the dark condoms. And so the, the whole advert was just in pitch black and then you just heard people fumbling around and then it was a little animated. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Claw in the dark. Yeah. Where? Happy, happy I, can't, I guess I that's also a nice it. security because you know that he for sure put one on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I'd be like, uh, you don't have an alien penis right now, so mm-hmm. I know you don't have a cotton Yeah, and I guess that's and its own fetish. Know- like who wants to have sex with an alien? But every time you have sex, it'd be like a little disco. Like the room would get light and then dark and then light and then. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> anyway, what are we doing? <laughs> we are. Okay. So this fucking series, like I said, during Piranha, we should really have done topical stuff. We were going to do House of Thousand Corpses, uh, Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. We didn't for reasons. And then we should have done The Terminator. That's what was scheduled because there's a new Terminator film out and apparently. It's really, really great, but we can talk about that in a different podcast. But screw all that. <laughs> How did this actually I happen? No did idea. I miss somehow? I was like, because I wanted an excuse to watch more slasher films, and I didn't think Shannon would want in on it. But since you guys were in on the mm-hmm. '80s one, I always go to those people first to say, "Hey, it's nice to have some continuity." Well, oh, that's it. You came back and said, "Absolutely not," yeah. basically. <laughs> and then twenty-four hours later, <laughs> well, like not only yes. But I'm going to do extra homework. <laughs> well, she what got happened? extra brave because I think James came to town. Yeah, I mean right? James is here James now. Her second you know, so I have a I have a protector, I guess. So you know, take that. And you need a man also, to I think you. we were talking about too that like American Horror Story is doing their like 1984 slasher stuff. And I have a friend in that show. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to watch this to see that. So I might as well like get, get some context. context. You're right. And then that was we a went through each of the films of like just a bit in terms of, okay, is this going to kill me? We will see. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. That was my excuse for doing this was American Horror Story. 1984 is that what it's called this season. Yeah, I'm watching yeah. that and I think we'll talk about that maybe a little bit as we go along, but definitely when we get to wrap up because that'll finished and we can, you know, dive into some of the stuff to do with that. But yeah, that was the excuse. But really, so after this series, we're basically, we're probably never going to touch 80 slashes again, really, other than Woohoo! franchise stuff, which you guys won't be involved with. So don't worry, Shannon, you'll be loose. Um, <laughs> Freedom! And this one's going to be a weird one. So this episode in particular, we'll get to in a second, but the actual show is going to start next week and we're going to go through the entire decade from 1980 all the way through to 1989. And I picked the quintessential slasher film of each year that basically we haven't already covered, which means none of the franchises and none of the um, the remakes that we already did, which to be fair, none of the remakes were really quintessential. So that wasn't too hard. So where are we? Where's the lineup? Here we go. So next week, we're going to be starting with Terror Train. Ah! 
we'll get into what these are. Yeah. I don't want to reveal what these are yet to Shannon, but next week we've got Terra Train. Then we had the most difficult one, which was 1981, where there were two seminal slasher films as The Burning and The Prowler. Uh, we're actually going to do both of them. <gasps> oh, no. So there's going to be two episodes Ooh. that week, um, and they're the two that I'm most worried about for Shannon. Yeah, me too. Then we're going to get into The Slumber Party Massacre, which was Yay. filmed just next to Lincoln Boulevard in Venice, near where we, oh. where we live. Then we're going to get to some Canuck exploitation. How do we say it again? The Canadian slashes with yeah, Canuck. curtains. Canuck. Thank you. And curtains, one we all want to talk about for reasons that maybe we'll discuss on air. Maybe we won't. We'll see. Then we're going to get to the initiation. Then we're going to go to Phenomena, getting some Giallo in there and some early Jennifer Connolly. Bright beacon. Ooh, is there dancing like in Suspiria? Stage oh, fright? Stage fright. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll find stage out. I hope not. There oh, are head. Yeah. I really That's didn't like so that good. movie. <laughs> well, you're getting the real deal this time. <laughs> then we're going to go to Chopping Mall, which again, let's not spoil so stuff. Wait, is it week. called Chopping Mall so or Shopping Mall? Chopping. Chopping. It's a Chop- pun. Oh, Jesus Chopping Christ. Okay. <laughs> and then we have a fun week, which is a year where there wasn't anything really seminal but there were two sequels to two previous films we've already done one was slumber party massacre from this series and one was fuck what was it there's something else from our previous series that had a sequel that year basically when we get to that week you're gonna get to pick oh, like the christmas one right oh yeah silent night deadly night Ooh. yeah that's it oh that sequel so yeah when we get there the week before at the end of chopping mall i'm gonna let you guys just pick we're gonna choose which one you want to do. And then after that, we got Hide and Go Shriek, which is, I'm excited to get to that. And then we're finishing up with Intruder, which is from, yeah, it's a Raimi production, actually. And that'll be it. That'll be the entire decade of the 80s covered. There's no real logic to this other than I've tried to pick the films that one I think were either important or that, you know, people tend to love or just fuck it that I love. Particularly when you get to the end of the decade, because there are some years where you're like, mm, there's nothing seminal here. So I'm just going to go with the film that I enjoy for whatever stupid reason. So it's completely gluttonous. It's purely to put Shannon through moo torture. Moo torture. It's a type of cow torture. <laughs> uh, but what is this week then, Shannon? What are we doing? This week, because I am an idiot. Uh <laughs> I was like, well, if I'm going to sign on to watch all these, I presume, shitty slashers, I should probably watch the like... Offensive! That's right. That's right. But I should probably watch like the big quintessential ones, right? In order to have some context, because ultimately they're all kind of ripping off of them in one way or another to some degree. So... I watched the original Halloween, Friday the 13th Part 2, and Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> oh, you, that one got stuck in your throat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, you yeah. did. And I don't know if I've ever been more shocked from a text from you than that particular I was so surprised. I could not believe right. it. Well, it's listen, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to watch the new Joker, right, and talk about it, then you should probably have seen Taxi Driver and that sort of stuff because it's basically a ripoff of that. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> So that was kind of my thinking. 
And, you know, if those are supposed to be like the best ones of this genre. You want to know what then... it's not going to get above, basically. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I kind of want to know, like, what's, what is what's, the bar? What's the ceiling? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very proud of you. Well done. Some people who are listening, if you don't already know Shannon's journey, I do suggest you go back to our 80s versus series. She hates horror and hates slashes and thought maybe that would be a fun series to do. It wrecked her. My bloody Valentine nearly destroyed her. Um, and then for some reason, she thought Spookies might be okay. So she did the conjuring and that wrecked her even more. Yeah. <laughs> like genuine concern. I still to this day, like James will go to bed before I will, because he falls asleep at nine o'clock. <laughs> and so I'll be like going to bed alone. The house will be quiet and I'll be shutting off the lights. And behind me, all I'm thinking about is the nun. <laughs> that is <laughs> Malik it. Malik is probably there. Day. Yeah. <laughs> Do you always check like when you get into the bed, like under the covers, you know, when Annabelle's just down the bottom near your feet, just looking up? You know, Annabelle, the doll doesn't bother me as much. It's the like dark figure in the background that bothers you know, whenever you're like, is that wait, no, huh? Is it? Is that cancel a- your Christmas oh, present. You, can, you don't have to lie. It's the nun. You don't like nuns. <laughs> so I fine. hate nuns. We get it. Sorry, <laughs> Sister Bercher. <laughs> But go so, fuck yeah, yourself. Okay. You're not sorry. You're all evil. <laughs> so when you texted and said you were going to do this crazy journey, you were like, okay, what though are the seminal ones? What are the ones you have to see? Right. It was like Halloween, obviously, you have to see. A lot of people are going to argue, look, there's lots of you know debates over what is important. Black Christmas predated Halloween. I would argue Halloween's more important for the genre as a whole. That doesn't mean that Black Christmas, uh, well, Black Christmas is more important in terms of like how it founded certain things, but Halloween cemented them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel that's one you absolutely have to see. And I'm on Elm Street is one I feel that you absolutely have to see because it, it actually came very late. It's in 1986. That's like getting towards the end of the slasher booms, at least of the kind of new quality content coming out. And obviously, Freddy's a huge, iconic creature. And I think it's important to discuss because it's a very different side of slashes, which we'll get into in this episode. And then right between Friday 13, I know this is going to be contentious for people because many people will be like, well, you have to see the original. I get that. People who've listened to our podcast will know I'm not the biggest fan of the original. That's certainly part of why I didn't suggest that one. But the biggest part was I wanted you to watch the films that would reflect on what we're about to watch. And Friday the 13th Part 1 doesn't. Friday the 13th Part 1 is more of a whodunit. Jason's not in there. It's not a traditional slasher as we kind of grew to know them. We could have gone with a later Friday the 13th, like Part 6, which is a whole bunch of fun, or Part 3, where he actually gets his hockey mask. Instead, we just went for Part 2, because I think we, everyone who was on that podcast agreed it's a really great, solid entry, one of the best, if not the best, in the series. And at least Jason's there. So you, it's a different, but you're starting to get those slasher tropes playing out. So that's why we selected that film for you to watch. So we're just going to... feel Justin would disagree with that, by the way. Yeah. Anything in space is Justin's favorite. Oh, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, what we're going to do, we're just going to go through the films. If you want to hear all the facts about the films, not you, Shannon. Well, you too, I guess. Um, <laughs> but go back and listen to the podcast where we reviewed them because we get into how the films are made, you know, all of the kind of minutiae of it. This is certainly not a normal episode for us. We just want to hear your opinions on them. A little bit of discussion. We'll then tell you why you're wrong. And then <laughs> I've made up a fun quiz, which is going to be at least 50% of this. I've got like 17 questions, although one of them from something we just said I might have to omit. and then those questions will hopefully highlight some little facts for you about the franchises that you have now dipped your toes into so let's start in chronological order shall we john carpenter's as it's known but also as everyone likes to say nowadays and i think it's completely fair deborah hill's halloween from 1978 co-written by him and deborah hill 
but directed by him. The film that really changed the scope of not just horror, but independent films. Uh, I'm not going to get again into the facts. Some of that's going to come into the quiz later. But Shannon, as someone who doesn't watch horror films, you got introduced to slasher films through a whole bunch of trash <laughs> in our previous series. How exciting or disappointing is what is known as the probably the most seminal slasher movie? I would say exciting. So because the first John Carpenter film that I watched was The Fog, right? So oh, yeah. as I'm watching Halloween, I was like, oh, this reminds me of The Fog. And I had to like correct myself and be like, well, this one came first. So that's why, right? <laughs> I did. I really enjoyed Halloween as much as I can enjoy a slasher. Um, in the same way that I appreciated The Fog whenever we did that, because I thought the way that he's building suspense and just showing little teeny tiny things. I was thinking about it from a technical perspective, like they didn't necessarily have all the technology, I assume, to like do really crazy deaths and things like that, right? So because you can't like straight up, you know, gut someone, whatever, and make it look good in this era, you have to like build around it. And I thought that was great. It was so funny. Like whenever the music starts, I was like, Oh, this is where this music came from. And like, I <laughs> knew that. <laughs> and I did. I really loved the score throughout it. The opening scene I had seen before, just in terms of like, you know, like all of these movies, the reason I was like, I can probably handle it is because they're so steeped in pop culture references to them, which we'll find out later, I think ruined some of them for me. <laughs> but also... I was like, I feel like I'm familiar enough with these that I can handle them to some degree. The thing that bothers me about that opening scene is I wish whenever he's grabbing the knife, because I love that POV scene. It's so cool of young Michael Myers like going through. But I wish I didn't see that his hand as like a young boy, right? Mm -hmm. That bothers right. me because then immediately whenever it gets to the stabbing part of it and he's killing his sister, I was like... Pfft. He's six years old, bitch. You can't take him out. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's right. topless, Shannon. Women lose oh, right. all their powers oh, when they're topless. She's very focused oh. on brushing her hair. Right. She's got to, right. you know. Her nipples are out. I get it. She has all of her strength is gone um, by not wearing a top. But like, and then at the end, I've never seen it. I hadn't seen the completion of it, right? I'd only ever seen it to wear you discover it's Michael, like the young child at the end, right? I didn't realize that the parents just hold in a tableau oh, yeah. there yeah. for like what feels like five minutes. It's, it's fucking like, insane. Yeah. That's like, that I, and it's such a simple direction. It's like, no, just run inside. Yes! Like that's just run inside and done. Oh, my six-year-old son is holding a bloody knife and I'm just like staring at him. Let's not talk to him. him. Let's just stand here. It's yeah, so strange. So that shit drove me insane. I mean, it is like that's kind of because Halloween was my intro point to slashes. And I think that's why I got into slashes because it's a very polite, elegant movie. And that's what I mm -hmm. love about it. Like elegant is the word for me. Like, And part of that is because I don't know if you know this, but it was one of the very first films to be shot, especially to the degree it was on Steadicam. Like Steadicam had just come out 
mm-hmm. and they changed the whole way they were going to shoot because of this new technology. They didn't expect to get to to do it like this, um, mm-hmm. and it allows this beautiful, elegant floating. And he uses it so well, so quickly yeah. for such a new kind of technology. And it's that pacing for me. You know, it's like the little things, like when Jamie Lee Curtis is walking down the street, and it's broad daylight, which so much of the films in broad daylight. Yeah, and you just got Michael which Myers. I appreciated. <laughs> you got Michael like dirty in the forefront just watching her and you can hear his breathing and she's just walking oh, away humming breathing. a song singing this song to herself and they just holding it for ages mm-hmm. and there's no music playing or anything it's those moments for me where you really feel like you're you know you're in this world and it feels much more relatable and not just a schlocky you know there are schlocky silly moments in it for sure and dr loomis is insane hiding yeah. behind hedges <laughs> and jumping yeah. out at kids i shot him six times <laughs> oh my god um, but no, it is that elegance for me that I still use it to reference now. Like there are scripts I'm writing right now, which the way I'm talking with my DP about how to shoot it is looking at that Halloween style of elegance with it, you mm-hmm. know, that pacing, which yeah. that's why I find it interesting now when someone new comes to the film of like, does that pacing feel slow or is it still thrilling? Oh no, I really enjoyed it. It gave such a real like voyeur sort of point of view to it. And I think cause the whole setup of this Like, I was surprised watching it how much setup there is in terms of Michael Myers stalking them so much, like, which builds like an unbearable tension. Like, I got to a point where I was like, just kill the bitch already. Like, can we? Because to some degree, at least whenever I'm watching these, like, I know someone's going to die. I'm going to hate it. That's my least favorite part of all the things, right? Is having to watch like the murders and it actually happening. So whenever they're like stringing me along, like, is this it? Like all that laundry room bullshit. I was like going to die whenever he's just like in the window pane so subtly. And she's half dressed as well, which means she's going to die. Well, that also drove me insane. I was like, you're babysitting. (laughs) Put some fucking pants on. (laughs) Hey, she's at least doing she wasn't doing Silent Night, Deadly the Night. The clothes that she's well, wearing. When she comes from having sex up, like, completely naked. <laughs> she's wearing no pants. And also, the shirt she's wearing is unbuttoned, like, practically to her navel. Like, it's like a boob could pop out at any moment. And at one point, she's corralling the child as though, like, this is totally normal. The fuck? <laughs> like, that's what the parents should the be 70s. really upset about. <laughs> Ugh, not yeah. okay. I do Not think that's why okay. though it's partly why the film is kind of great because it does take those things which they were establishing a bit here, you know, sure there have been pre uh, curses to them. But you had John Carpenter stuff where he was really relying on he's gonna make things spooky. And sure, there's definitely some stuff for the male audience as well. But then you got Deborah Hill there who she did all the dialogue writing, you know, and she wanted to right. write it like, no, this is how me and my friends, the bullshit would actually talk about. And sometimes yeah. that's great. Most of the time I think it's great. There's a couple of bits which I find awkward <laughs> for sure. Yeah, although that um, actress that plays Annie, at that phone conversation she has, oh, yeah. I was like, I'm going to kill you. You're terrible. Yeah. The so bit bad. where she's, my where they come out of school and she's like, oh, did you forget your book? I forget everything. Sometimes I forget this thing. Yeah. Some days I forget this thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, there's not a brain in your head. There's not a brain in your head. <laughs> I don't understand how any of this is happening. I should say that intro, by the way, that you, you're saying, like, just because people listening will be upset if I don't tell you. That intro is very, it took a long time for people to notice because before the internet you didn't notice things. Um, but that that was very much stolen from Black Christmas. The opening from Black Christmas mm. is very similar POV shot. And it was kind of this sort of hidden secret for a long time that everyone acclaimed Halloween for doing this incredible brave opening. And it was, but they stole it. And in my opinion, made it better. But in some other opinions, they didn't. So you definitely gotcha. should uh, 
Yeah. Gotcha. I have to do a nod to Black Christmas for that. Gotcha. Which we're getting but- a new Black Christmas this Christmas, by the way, from Blumhouse, which looks fucking terrible. Looks so bad. Great. But it does Yay. have, does it have, I think it's got Pootsie in it. It's either Pootsie or Mary Elizabeth. I think Pootsie. Oh. I don't know. I just want everyone to start calling her Pootsie now. Yeah. Uh, I'm into So it. that eventually gets back to her and it'll just probably make her cry. <laughs> yeah. Pootsie. Pootsie's in it. You're a kind, breaks my heart. kind man. Yes. So, quick question. So, John Carpenter. So this film has also had a lot of weight put on it for creating the staples of the rules of if you have sex, you will die, like all of those things. He has always come out and said like he didn't intend that at all. They were just trying to write teenagers for being teenagers. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's classicism in, you know, the classic kind of Laurie Strode character is going to survive. Like that goes back way to Greek myth, really. But he didn't intend to do any of that stuff. And he didn't want there to be a reason for why Michael Myers was doing what he was doing. Like for him, it was important that he's like, no, this is just... A force of nature is the word that he uses Mm. a lot. He wanted to create a force of nature where you don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And that's what made it scary for him. Some of the other films we're going to talk about in this episode and definitely over the coming weeks, it's the opposite. You know, it's like they want you to have a reason to sympathize for this character so that you can rally for the villain as well as for the protagonist. Did you want a reason or was that frustrating for you? Well, in watching it, I mean, because there's that whole scene where she drops off the key or something and goes to his house like i felt like jamie lee curtis was connected to him just by happenstance right like not like there was any association or whatever in a real way but because of things like that because of how they set up the house and that he's watching that happen as well that i was like okay this is why she's being chosen right Mm -hmm. so it wasn't that There was necessarily a reason for it per se, but because like he starts out killing his sister after sex and she's naked and all that sort of stuff, like I drew a little bit of those conclusions, but just in terms of like this person doesn't like whenever other people are behaving, you know, spontaneous, normal teenagers, right? Mm -hmm. And so him choosing Jamie Lee Curtis to stalk was just you happen to be in this place in this time and you fit the bill of things that I don't like, right? What that being young free women is how I thought of it. And so there's not necessarily like a, I never felt that he had like a thing of like, oh, I need to kill these people for this reason, but just that like, you are my prey. I am stalking you for whatever reason that is, which is more terrifying. How satisfied then are you from the sequel onwards that you have to create a reason for this? And the reason that they create, which is then retroactive to this, is that she is actually also his sister, um, but through different parents. So what becomes Michael Myers' trait throughout all the sequels is he kills his family. He's just trying to kill off everybody in his family. And if someone gets in his way, then he'll kill them too. And that becomes his purpose because when you do sequels, you have to give a purpose. It's like, why are they doing this? What are our rules? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why are they going after anybody? You know, you can get away with it for one film. but Yeah, that was kind of my problem with this film to some degree was that I was like, if Jamie Lee Curtis is your prey, why are you being distracted by all these other hoes? You know, because Jamie Lee Curtis is in the other house even. Why even like dealing with that bitch? Just go straight for Jamie. Well, you wait till you, if you, <laughs> when you get to part six, he's actually part of a cult <laughs> called the Thorn Cult, which are a bunch of druids 
who use runes and stones, including Paul Rudd's in there. He's using stones, magic, magic of the stones. Okay. Yep. And Michael Myers is like this ancient entity like is possessed and it comes from its native american druids essentially that has been passed down through this secret kind of clan yep and then they get him to rape his niece isn't it so then she can give birth to like the next it's it's so fucking insane (laughs) absolutely yeah they have to like propagate the bloodline or something Okay. This this is where sequels have to get to when they're like, oh, what do we do now? And then you throw some stuff in the air. And what's kind of crazy, I mean, we'll get to it later, but what's kind of crazy with the new ones is there's even shrugs towards some of that stuff, which I couldn't believe in the new one that there was a shrug towards that. It's very weird and we should all forget it exists. Gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. I mean, it's entertaining, but (laughs) as part of the actual canon, let's forget it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for my money... I thought his whole thing was like kill to kill, you know, right. yep. that like he finds his target and that's just what it is, is that this is now the person I'm obsessed with and this is now the person that I need to murder. Yeah, which I do murder. think is more unsettling. It, it, yeah. it is just oh, that for 100%. whatever reason I'm drawn to this person. And yeah, it does seem with Jamie Lee Curtis just because she's the more, she's the outsider a little bit. She's a little bit more mm-hmm. demure. What was funny about it is Jamie Lee Curtis didn't want the role originally because she felt her character as a person was the opposite. She was like, I'm like the other teenage girls. I'm not like this girl at all. So she had to oh, like funny. learn how to play it quiet and yeah. be a bit more She sweet. wanted to be one of the slutty girls. Of course she yeah. did. Yeah. Get it, Jamie. Yeah, well, and yeah, like, more fun, those slutty girls. Yeah. I can also then buy that, like, all the other murders and setting up that scene and things like that is for Jamie. You know what I mean? So I can buy that he doesn't go to kill Jamie immediately because he wants to, like, there's like, like a, some, yeah, 100%. Like, there's an obsessive thing where he wants to, like, make a moment out of what her murder is going to be, right? So let me you know, kill this person and set it up with my sister's tombstone and have these bodies set so that they fly out at you. <laughs> I always right? forget about the tombstone. It's fucking insane. But somehow he's like gets that across the <laughs> Yeah, well that's what like house. the thing that and maybe it's just from now watching these other slasher movies or just like pop culture now ripping off so much of what Halloween did. I felt like I was able to guess the points along the way. Like as soon as I saw the knitting needles, I was like, okay, that bitch, she's going to stab him with the knitting needles. As soon as we see the dug up, Tombstone's like, well, that's coming back. You know, so, like to the point where because James and I were watching it together and he hadn't seen Halloween before. I don't think. And I'd be like, oh, well, you know, we got to be getting down to the end of it. And we still haven't seen the tombstone. So that's going to come back. And we still have. And I, as soon as I saw the knitting needles, I was like, you just wait. They're going to stab with the knitting needles. And he's like, maybe a bitch just got a knit. And I was like, nah, <laughs> I know what's up. <laughs> no bitch got to um, just knit. No bitch just got a knit. There's no reason for this teenager to have knitting needles. Aside from the fact that she's going to potentially murder <laughs> Jason or try to. So how about or not then, Jason Michael Myers? Michael. So how about the yeah. ending then, where you have a fucking cliffhanger in a time when you didn't have cliffhangers? Right. <laughs> Just gone. The music pulls in straight to credits. That's it and done. Yeah. Listen, the ending because now I think it's gotten like ripped off so much. Well, I also had a problem 
with his fight with Jamie because I was like, how are you missing her so much? Like, just going to scrape. It's like your one job is to stab and kill people and you're fucking it up. Like in a really lame sort of way. It was as though he just went down with the knife rather than like committing to it fully, which uh, that was weird for me. So their whole like fight scene, although like the closet stuff was fun, was like a little bit like, okay. I also know she's going to live, right? Because I know that I saw trailers for the recent one. She Mm -hmm. makes it out. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So... So that whole fight scene was like a little bit anticlimactic. And I think now because that's been ripped off so much, like, didn't they do the same thing at the end of like prom night remake, essentially now where like the cop comes in and shoots him at the last second and, you know, saves her after he's miraculously alive for the fourth time. Right. And that's why Um, she was upset about those films because she didn't want to just keep remaking Halloween. She had already done it so well. Why would you want to do it again? Yeah. So I found the cliffhanger again. I know that it's a franchise, so I know that it goes on. So I wasn't like, it wasn't then scarier to me. It wasn't that, you know, it was just like, okay, this is what we've done. That makes sense. Get well, it. And to be clear, they didn't know, obviously, they were going to have a franchise at that point. That was in the era right. where you didn't really have franchises in that way. And they certainly, it was a tiny, 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 I mean, we'll get to the money of it in the quiz, but it was a tiny independent film. They didn't expect to blow up how they did. So like, I... Yeah, personally, I really, yeah, absolutely. So there's so much in the film, which now is diluted because of everything that came yeah. afterwards. But I can never shake how it felt for me watching it the first time as a teenager, not having seen any of this stuff before and just that haunting sort of, oh, we're just going to drift off, you know. And then you get all mm-hmm. these shots of the spaces that he's occupied around right. town, but it's all empty. And it's just that yeah. idea of it could be anywhere. I did find that unsettling because, again, it's like that voyeur stuff, right? So... The feeling of, oh, man, he's still watching, you know, and especially because like the places that they're shooting are like relatively mundane, could be in any town USA, like that sort of stuff. I found that to be effective. The actual like cliffhanger of where's the body (laughs) was not like surprising or shocking. But I think that that's just because now it's a trope. Yes, yes. Well, we're going to talk a bit about the sequels when we get to the quiz, because that's kind of how it's structured. So I'm not going to like tell you too much about where stuff went. But just bear in mind for a second, don't say now, but when we get to the end of you talking about these three films, I am going to ask you which, if any of these three series from watching that, this one film, you would be encouraged to be like, you know what? I want to check out one more from this series gotcha. or something. If yeah, any. I know my answer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. For, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> again, if people want to hear me and Katie's opinions on this, we did like a whole big episode on it but for me this is this really is seminal this is a nine out of ten film for me like there are a lot of little problems in there but i think it's such a beautifully crafted movie not only is it an incredibly important film i genuinely think it's a near masterpiece just in how it's constructed i think it's yeah. the pacing is great the flavor of it is great jamie lee curtis is such a great central role for someone who just come out of tv she hadn't done a feature film before yeah and katie sorry you're quiet for most of this <laughs> you enjoyed halloween that's all right <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of like remembering them as Shannon talks about them because it has been quite a while since I've watched these like versions of the films. I know that I was on two of these retrospectives, but that was 
it feels like a long time ago and I'm not really good at retaining information. I kind of just watch them and then it drains out after I talk about That's them. Why we That's do the, the podcast. best way to do it. Yeah. So next. I usually just go back and listen to myself. And I'm like, oh, yes, that is how I feel. <laughs> so next up. Okay. So straight away after that film, we can say the slasher boom really started. It took a couple of years to get going, but 1980, everything exploded. Friday the 13th part one was where really it took off and became enormous because Friday the 13th part one then took what Halloween was doing and kind of cemented it a little bit more, albeit without, yeah, the central figure. Like it is the mother in Friday the 13th part one. Jason is there, but only as a sort of flashback. Spoilers. I think we're fine with that spoiler. So, yeah, 1981, though, Friday the 13th got into a thing. Halloween hadn't even had a sequel yet, and Friday the 13th was just doing a sequel every single year. Um, And you jumped in on part two. Old Baghead. So, Halloween oh, 1 <laughs> was, much like many of these, like actually Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, and Psycho were all inspired by Ed Gein. I feel Psycho and Halloween a lot more. Like, Texas took the skinning of people and did some crazy dirty things with it. Whereas Halloween and Psycho took the, you don't know, like your nice looking neighbor, you know, in this middle class town uh, in suburbia where you feel safe could be a murderer. Friday the 13th. Baghead comes really from the Texacana, is that what it is? Texacana murders, which then they turn him into the films, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. But yeah, the bag over the head with the one eye cut out of it. That's kind of where they took that look from. And just to be clear, if you'd seen the first film, this film makes absolutely no sense because in the first film, he dies as a child in the lake. His mother right. then avenges him as, you know, years later. And this has to go with, well, what do we do now? Because the mother, as you see in the beginning of this film, is beheaded at the end of the first film. Right. But she can't come back. Let's bring Jason back. Someone then obviously in the meeting is like, yeah, but he died as a kid. And go, well, no. <laughs> he was like, they kind of do this absolute shrug of, I guess he was still alive and he was in the woods and he saw his mother die and then he grew up feral and then has been upset about it ever since. And they just kind of like retconned it, but without even saying it out loud. They just kind of just moved yeah. on forward. It's like, fuck it. Let's just keep on going. Right. This one's directed by Steve Miner, who is the guy who would go on to direct, actually Friday the 13th part three, but he would also direct Lake Placid and House, not the TV show. Well, he did. He said he did something else quite recently, but yeah, a lot of people. Well, actually, and he also did one of the Halloween films. He did Halloween H two O, which we'll be getting to in the quiz. Okay, so Jason, I presume you know hockey mask dude. Yes. I'm sure you've seen him. Yes, but you've never seen a Friday film. Never, and I would say I was far less familiar with this franchise in general than I am with the Halloween franchise you know like i had seen that opening scene from halloween before this i knew nothing did you know the music from this one well i did but only from family guy which kind of ruined it for me because peter griffin they have that whole thing where he makes fun of it and he's like choo 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 so anytime that music played that's all i was hearing honestly the music was such a huge distraction for me watching this i did not find it scary at all at one point whenever the one woman goes skinny dipping in the beach i was like are they playing the jaws theme now all of a sudden it's like subtly stealing jaws music not even subtle it's really blatant yeah (laughs) it felt like it was like one of those things where i was like oh you're gonna like 
Ice Cube this, how Ice Cube, or no, not Ice Cube, what's his uh, face, Vanilla Ice, stole like under, under pressure, right? Yeah. right? And be like, oh, theirs is ding, 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 did a ding, ding, and ours is ding, 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 ding. <laughs> right? Like, there's no difference. <laughs> but that's how you're going to get around it. I mean, for the Manfredini fans, at it, like, yes, he stole quite a lot. But the stuff he did do in, in Vent, I appreciate now because of pop culture. It's hard to necessarily take at face value, but it is. It was very creative and very cool at the time. Like, having that echoing, and particularly for the first film, because he was literally telling you the whole way through the film, it's actually saying, kill mom, like, kill ma. And telling, it's meant to be Jason's voice telling his mother to kill them all, to avenge him. Oh. So, for the whole film that's a whodunit, the score is telling you who the killer is. And it's really fucking cool. But then it became oh, a staple. I did not so they- pick up on that at all. Well, yeah, well, it makes no sense in the sequels because it's nothing to do with his mom. <laughs> but you have the ki-ki-ki, ma 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 And that's what it actually is. People tend to do it as a just because yeah. of the echo. But it's actually kill ma. That's what the words are. Oh, I did not pick up on that at all. I found the music, the sound in general, very distracting and not <laughs> scary. Especially like coming off of just watching the original Halloween where I thought the soundtrack for that the composing for that was really effective. Yeah, this one, yeah, I found so much less effective. If anything, again, I was just Peter Gray. Like, especially that whole scene where the cop running through the woods was <laughs> now hysterical oh, yeah. with that. You know what I mean? With that <laughs> image. Not scary at all. Well, you are in a different... Okay, so to be clear, after I got in Slashes with Halloween, I then went straight to Friday the 13th or Nightmare. I forget which way around. I think Friday the 13th. Yes. Yeah, it was actually right there. I'd seen the first nightmare, but not the rest. I went straight into Friday the 13th. I watched the whole series within like two days and I hated it. Like I hated them. Like I liked the idea of Jason, but these were ugly films. They were much grubbier. They weren't shot very elegantly. And none of them, just to be clear, in my opinion, none of the Friday the 13th films are seminal movies. There's not one where you're like, this is the one, you know, but there's a lot of fun. Like this mm-hmm. franchise, I think when we finished doing all of the main like big slasher franchises, kind of said Friday the 13th was the most fun one because like every episode you don't know what you're going to get. They go to some crazy fucking places with it and it's just more of a weird party and particularly now watching the Blu-ray versions where everything's been cleaned up. It doesn't look as ugly as it used to when you'd watch it on VHS, you know, but it's definitely not got the artistry. I do think Steve Miner is a decent director though. I do think he's a workman director. He's a little bit of his own style in there as well, but he's no John Carpenter, that's for sure. Watching this movie, I was like, this is a seminal because my thoughts are like I didn't spoilers did not care for it <laughs> like just <laughs> straight up in general I mean it's scary because I'm scared by fucking everything right but like just the way that it was done I and again this is another one that maybe pop culture just kind of ruined for me I just wasn't into it I mean I liked the final girl I liked the whole like psychology thing at the end of like I'm gonna put on mom's sweater I thought that was clever and cool how she's like the opposite of Jamie Lee Curtis like Ginny in this is like this yeah kind of ferocious sassy redhead who's like yeah wants to turn around and like and she's sympathetic to the character and crazy places like for starters Mm -hmm. in this film there's a lot of characters they all go to a bar at one point and then most of them never come back again they're still at that bar (laughs) yes a hundred percent i kept waiting for them to come back from the bar and that's how they get saved or whatever or there's more killings whatever it is the problem i had with that as a final girl though is like yes she seems fearless in moments where she's like 
making the choice to try to talk Jason down off the ledge, you know, and putting on the mom sweater and like standing and all of that. But then everything leading up to that, she's like, Paul, 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 like a helpless fucking damsel. So I was like, pick it. Like, who is she? Can she handle herself or not? I kind of like that about it. I kind of like that it flips because when she first introduced her, she's like being mean to him, you know, like she's Mm -hmm. got a lot of sass about in their relationship. And then I kind of like that when the danger turns up, she does kind of like reduce to, oh, actually, I'm terrified and I don't know what to do with this. But then she gets her courage back. It's one of my favorite things with like a good slasher film. It is the turning point. It is like Mm -hmm. I need to see like if you're going to have the female final girl, I need to see that she's got some gumption to her to begin with. And then I want to see the character broken because they're put in a situation that, yeah, is that terrifying for them. But then I need a turning point where they take control. Well, my problem was was that that made sense to me whenever it happens initially in the cabin, right? Whenever Jason is there. And so it makes sense to me that she's relying on Paul in that moment. It didn't make sense to me after she's put the sweater on and now Paul is back. Yes, she's injured, but she's still just like all of a sudden we reverts right back to being a damsel, right? Even though at that point she presumes that she has killed this man right that she has put an end to it is the assumption you know until we get back to the cabin and there's an ending that i don't fucking get at all (laughs) Uh, that was also a huge problem for me with this movie was that stupid fucking ending (laughs) um but which which ending is in part two he jumps through the window, yeah. right? And you see his actual face. But yeah. it's like a weird slow-mo thing. Oh, and yeah. then it just cuts to the next morning, her being carted away, <laughs> going, Paul, Paul, Paul. And I'm not sure if I'm supposed to believe, wait, is she now being taken to an insane asylum because they think she did this? Is Paul alive? How the fuck did she survive Jason (laughs) jumping through the goddamn window to attack her? Does no one care about the other bodies? Like, it just left me with so many questions because up until that point, I was not into it, but as you were saying, I was like, okay, this movie's a fun ride. You know, we got so many tits. Woman who was clearly <laughs> cast just for her tits, because I'm pretty sure at one point she stares directly down the barrel of the camera looking for muffin. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, lots of panty shots and things that we now associate with horror movies uh, so much, you know, and some like interesting creative deaths with the spiking of the two people having sex. Oh, Although yeah. that just yes, made me think, classic. why was that guy playing with a real spear in the initial <laughs> scene? <laughs> and there was like so many missed opportunities. Like, why doesn't he take that mask and put it on that creepy mask, Jason? You know, mm-hmm. he never does that. We just get to see this mask like on the floor benign. And that felt silly to me. And then, they introduced the chainsaw and uh, James and I are watching it. And literally I was like, there's a, f- why are they showing me a chainsaw? Why are they showing me a fucking chain? My note is like, they're showing a chainsaw. <laughs> Fuck you, Al. Fuck you, Al. <laughs> Fuck you, Al. And then they like barely use it. You know, and I was you're like, you're going to set up this chainsaw <laughs> thing, but then not really use it. You know, it just felt like. Well, Shannon, if you want chainsaws. We can tell Fuck you where no. to go. No, go, no, go, do not, go, do not no, do Fuck no. Um, so I, I don't know. I just found it room, way room, room. less effective. 
for I'm all of those reasons. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, there isn't a seminal film. I think as a franchise, it's a fun one, but it's the most fun one if you're a slasher fan, you know? It is exactly what you're saying. Like, this is about, you're going to very quickly, they realize, and it's weird because you watch the evolution of this character through this franchise. It's so strange as they gradually figure out, oh, okay, Jason works. Okay, more boobs. Okay, better blood. Okay, now a hockey mask. And then, okay, let's turn him into a zombie eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually becomes a, a proper zombie. Yeah. And, and then they realize, let's just go crazy. And they bring yeah. in like psychokinesis and they bring in like just crazy things that happen throughout the series. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And that's what you're here for. You're here for just a midnight, stupid, trashy movie, but at least it's always going to be fun. It's not boring, you know? Yeah. And listen, it certainly felt like that, but from like, and maybe also coming from Halloween, where I thought they did some really cool, interesting, like subtle things. This one, I felt like the exact opposite of that. And I was just less into it. Like I felt in some ways, I felt like the most effective part of it was that opening scene with the old final girl. Although that also didn't make sense to me because I was like, you just had this horrific thing happen to you. And you're like, no, I want to be alone in the woods again. Like, yeah. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. I love the opening shot though with his foot, like the kids there and then his feet in the puddle and then he's like walking across the road like it feels, I don't know, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so just to go back to the ending again quickly, the reason for that is so when the first film was being made, Carrie had come out fairly recently and there was mm. one of the first in cinema's shock sort of endings had happened and they stole from that with Friday the 13th and you're not, you know, the mother's dead, she goes off in a, the final girl goes off in a little boat and then, yes, decomposed Jason jumps out of the water and at the time it was a huge huge deal it was a big big jump Mm -hmm. and it was a very seminal horror moment they then felt they had to replicate that for a while in the Jason film so at the end because then she comes to and you're like oh was that in her head because she's in hospital and you're not sure and she seems to think Jason's still out there but you don't know Mm -hmm. and they're trying to do that again here yeah it doesn't make that much sense but you don't the whole point is they're trying to do all right let's do another jump but this time he's not a kid in water now he's a grown-up and through a window (laughs) and with a really fucked up face yes if you think this ending was weird Shannon just think of the final girl killing the aggressor and then deciding that the best idea is to go get in a boat (laughs) and row out in the middle of a dark lake in the middle of the night yeah that seems extra stupid makes so much sense extra stupid ties into a piranha show nicely okay getting the vibe not a fan of old jason Voorhees. and so you don't yet understand why on all of my lists when people say what's the film you most want to make and i say friday the 13th (laughs) That's the yeah. film I most want to make. I honestly get that because there were so many elements to it, especially, again, so influenced throughout pop culture. You know what I mean? That it just, the whole movie felt like a missed opportunity in a lot of ways for me. The whole franchise does. That's what. That's exactly why. Yeah, because like, I don't want to make a fucking Halloween. They, they did that perfectly the first yeah. time around and they've done some great ones since. Friday the 13th, yeah, I love him as a character, particularly what he's going to become with the hockey mask. Like, it's just so cool looking. I love the setting. It's just so perfect and simple to, like, have a summer camp by a lake. Like, it's just perfect, simple, like, setups, and they've never done it, yeah, as seminally as some of these other films have, including potentially 1986's A Nightmare on Elm Street from <laughs> Wes Craven. Shane's going to throw up. <laughs> Unlike these other two directors, Wes Craven had been around for a while and he had been doing films in the 70s. He had done the original The Hills Have Eyes. He'd done The People Under the Stairs. He'd done films which were nasty 
and they felt a bit like snuff movies back then you know these were like terrible things happened to women quite a lot in them and it was just unnerving and i'd seen some of his films before and i was unnerved by them so i was a little scared when i watched nightmare on elm street the first time i remember watching it with my stepsister and we had dual headphones in we weren't meant to be up and whoo fucked me up good <laughs> like it was and i was pretty old um it really upset me but it does have like it was a big changing point for him you know there is money you know there's some gloss on screen you're getting some bubble gum in there which you're going to see later because of course Wes craven would then go on to create scream a series which shannon's only <laughs> what's the opening scene of the first yeah. film stopped stop <laughs> and then there's freddie and Freddie, we're definitely going to be talking about in a minute because this is something that I am fascinated with and I'm very intrigued in your perspective as someone who obviously knows of Freddie. It's impossible not to, but to have been introduced to him for the first time at, you know, the rough old age of whatever you are. Yeah. 24. <laughs> Thank you. But again, coming fairly late and a lot more complicated. Halloween, very simple film. Friday the 13th very very simple films nightmare on elm street it's complicated there's a bad yeah. history there's a lot going on with the character the concept of it is perfect it's a single kind of like sentence concept of okay the killer's going to get you in your dreams but there's a lot more to go on there it's not purely a slasher film anymore it is also supernatural and you're dealing with a lot of yeah weird commentary on stuff and most importantly johnny depp's midriff Yes, crop top JD. Bring, bring them male crop tops back. What's yes. That? How did this one go down, Shannon? Well, full disclosure, James had seen this movie previously. So he made the executive decision, you're going to watch this in the afternoon whenever <laughs> there's still light out and not because he was like, you're going to need a full like six hours to recover. Right. So there was like already some buildup <laughs> and I have an understanding of Freddie. So I was expecting like grimy, gross, whatever. And I would say, whereas I thought like the pop culture references really just ruined Friday the 13th even more for me. The pop culture references I knew of Freddy, I felt like enhanced this movie for me to some degree because there were so many scenes that I recognize as being like ripped off or referenced to. Like we were just watching something. Oh, we were just watching something last night. I can't. Oh, I, we were watching an episode of Bob's Burgers. I think like their latest Katie's like Halloween. attention is peaked. <laughs> right. Their latest like Halloween episode, whatever. And Tina is being haunted by this pig she dissects in class. And they do at one point she's dreaming and they do the like pressing up against the wall behind her stuff. And I was like, oh, I know what that's from now. You know, <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, there were a lot of those moments in this film because I am familiar with Freddy to some degree, but I, not with this film at all and like how they get from point A to point B or what happens, like the cool things that they do, right? Yeah. So watching it and then actively like putting those pieces together of like, oh, yes, now that like Rick and Morty episode where it makes more sense. You know what I mean? Like things like that. That was like fun going through it. I hate this movie. 
(laughs) (laughs) This was the one I was most scared of for you once you decided to do this. As you should be. This one brought out, as Katie will remember, the deep breathing of (laughs) Bloody Valentine, which I have realized watching the spookies, I'm like jumping every five seconds. I don't jump as much in these movies, but I'm just there going, (laughs) (laughs) just fucking kill her. Was there any shouting at the screen of like, you dumb bitch? So much shouting at the screen. But also, I thought the blonde girl in the beginning was our final girl i was like okay Mm -hmm. she's the first one so i thought that was really cool that then she's the first one that dies although had my eyes closed during that death for damn sure well i mean that death look okay so yeah they psycho you that's kind of the point you're definitely meant to think it's gonna be her it's easy now everyone knows her langer camp they know that she's gonna be the lead but yeah back then first time watching they distract you with someone else and she's even kind of similar to the psycho like lady like there's there's like definite nod going on there and that kill scene it still looks remarkable like it's still the rotating room works so fucking well and it's really nasty and yeah like it's a real grabber that's when you know oh this film means real business (laughs) yeah there were a lot of those moments in this where i was like they did this in 1986 you know like i can appreciate all of that stuff everything that happens in the school as much as i hated it recognize it's really cool like her then coming back in the body bag and you know that oh oh, that scene in the fucking hall yeah i hate it but i can recognize that like that's good filmmaking (laughs) and storytelling you have to sleep shannon so like when you're upset with these final girls for not doing what they would normally do it's like you're always like yeah but it's also how in control are they really of their functions and he can be anywhere so that stuff that slasher villains were turning into a mockery by 1986 Mm -hmm. here there's a reason for it it's like yes he can pop up from anywhere because he you're in a dream right Mm -hmm. and i also appreciated the like how we're going to defeat him is by turning our back on him. Like that sort of, (laughs) as much as it's like a little bit ridiculous, I also was like, okay, I'll buy it. Sure, whatever. You got to get more mystical. That's the thing. They can't be as practical. Yeah. And it does raise problems in the franchise. Like what you do with Freddy when he is in your dreams, it it raises real problems for finality of this character. Yeah. Um, Well, and that was kind of my issue with it was I was like, okay, like around the end of it, I started to get really confused (laughs) because I was like, what is happening and what's not happening? And I recognize that that's probably the point. You know, I appreciated getting to hear more of the backstory of Freddy. And then there's kind of a reason, too, of also why he's back and specifically targeting these people because their parents were all involved in his murder i guess yeah and there's actually very quite recently and we get into it in our show if you go back and listen to it but there's quite recently some new information of part of the scene where her mother's explaining stuff to her and it's actually like the kids are the kids that he was like interfering with so uh, so it's very tied to these families like why freddie is is concentrating on these particular kids Um, gotcha but for some reason they took that out i think it actually would have benefited the film made it a little bit more concrete and focused of yep this all like ties in and when you get to the remake which (laughs) you won't get to the remake um they definitely focus on that stuff more but that does lead me to like a big question i have then which i was alluding to earlier so halloween michael myers he's kind of like a cat you know turns Mm -hmm. up skulks around occasionally Mm -hmm. just goes batshit in a stranger's house (laughs) and leaves a mess yeah exactly 
Jason, you don't get fully into a nap, but like he's actually sympathetic. Like he was this kid who, you know, was disformed. His mother took him to summer camp. All the kids were having sex and taking drugs and ignored him and bullied him. And he drowned while no one was watching. So you kind of feel sorry for him. And then apparently watched his mother get beheaded. (laughs) Freddy is now they're very careful with it. In the original franchise, up until quite a few episodes in, he's always named just a child murderer. And then it's only later on where they start nodding to child molester as well. And like this has always fascinated me my entire life. Kids dressed up as him. They still dress up as him. Like parents like, you know, loved him. He became this icon. You'd have cuddlies of him. He became a comedy like act as well, like mm-hmm. in how everything would spin out. And we became incredibly comfortable with, for me, the only truly despicable slasher villain that there is. Even Leatherface right. in Texas Chainsaw, it's because of his upbringing. Like, it's because of the circumstance and people are mm-hmm. trespassing on their land. This is an indefensible villain. Yeah. And yet, he's become this iconic thing that people love. Like, how do you feel about Freddy? Because I think it's very unique in the slasher, like, universe. Uh, I disliked Freddy (laughs) for a lot of reasons. I was obviously, I felt like his story made me very sympathetic to the mother and to the family, right? That's going through this, that it's like, you know, I feel like the scariest thing about villains like this is the ones that kill just to kill, right? And I think that that is Freddy's whole thing. But he was doing the most atrocious version of that, which is killing and diddling, I guess, children. So I find that obviously atrocious and it makes me more sympathetic to the mother because her whole like setup is weird with alcoholism and this mother-daughter <laughs> oh, yeah. relationship and all of that sort of stuff. She's so, pretty terrible, to be honest. Like yeah, She's not great. Well, she's a terrible actress. <laughs> terrible isn't she though hang on i get muddled now but she's like done something very esteemed before this i don't know if she's like oscar nominated or something I, crazy like that but maybe she's very I don't bad know. In this. but i felt like everything was just like you don't know what is going on and <laughs> i might cry at any time because i'm making this with my voice can't you tell <laughs> um and very annoying <laughs> so But because of the story of Freddy, I sympathized more with her, which then made me dislike the final girl because she was so, like, bratty and bitchy to her mother. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I felt like I was confused as to how I was supposed to feel about any of these characters. And because there's an element of, like, funhouse to this film, which is why I think people get endeared to Freddy because he feels like a funhouse villain to some degree of like a little cartoonish. And James explained to me later that I guess in sequels, he says bitch after everything or whatever. That's the clever writing that they come to for him (laughs) that Robert Englund really brought to it. Everything's bitch. (laughs) Right. Bitch. So I think that there's something that feels really like funhouse and imaginative in like, anything could happen in Freddy's world that is exciting and interesting and makes you want to like find out what else they're going to do because you're dealing in dreams. You could literally do anything and that's interesting. But I was very, 
Yeah. They get that for sure. <laughs> yeah. And well, and I was just very confused about the whole film in terms of like, how am I supposed to feel about these characters? Even the final girl as she's like kind of going crazy and all of this sort of stuff. Am I supposed to like want her to fight back? You know what I mean? Like I was mm-hmm. very confused as to how the director wanted me to feel about anyone in the movie. Even like Johnny Depp's character, I was like, he doesn't seem to care about anything. Why the fuck is he in this movie? <laughs> That's kind of why I like it. I mean, yeah, a lot of people have a real problem with Heather Langenkamp. They really do. I really like her in this film. I get why people have a problem. She is a little bit. She's kind of got this, but she feels insipid in some scenes and then in yeah. other scenes has this sort of frenzied sort of, yeah, almost looks like she's an alcoholic as well already. But yeah. I kind of, I don't know, there's something about her I like and Johnny Depp. I love that. I love that he's just kind of like, yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, sure. I believe you. Yeah, you need me to stay awake? All right. <laughs> like, he's right. just this useless, like, hot boy. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. kind of great. Yeah. But he's not a dick about it. He's, like, sort of trying, but also very apathetic. And I think that's quite realistic about kids in the 80s. You know, that's, yeah. I feel like this is more of a bubble of the 80s than any of the films that we're talking about mm-hmm. today, for sure. Well, and like her parents' relationship with like her dad being the sheriff and like, you know what I mean? Like I wanted to know more about that family, I think, because it all felt a little bit messy and unclear. And therefore, I wasn't sure like who or what I should be rooting for. And I think in those situations, then you're just rooting for something like ridiculous to happen Enter Freddy. You know what I mean? Interesting. Okay. And how do you feel about the blow-up doll of her mother getting dragged through? The I fucking tiny hated that. Well, because especially because throughout so much of this movie, I was so impressed by like how they were using all these practical effects and doing really cool, creative stuff that was terrifying and the everything I did not want to see. And then it like comes to that moment at the end. That should be really scary, but it looks so fake. Yeah. And then driving off in the car is a real nod to where things are going. This isn't how Wes Craven wanted it. He actually wanted it to end just happily. He wanted it to end with, yeah, the birds are chirping and everything's fine. Um, Which I don't know if I would have been satisfied with that either. But I do think it's something that Wes Craven, he is like... In a very different way, he is, a, much like John Carpenter, a sporadic visionary, is what I would call him. Like, he definitely has a flavor. He is not scared to fucking go right. He has nightmarish imagery that he's very good at executing. And for me, this is one of the few films where he really gets it right. Scream is obviously another one. But he's made a lot of trash as well. So it's a bit of a balancing beam. Yeah. The thing with the ending is I was like, why don't? We just have her get in the car and all the same stuff with the car happen. And then like in the rear view, that moment with the mom, you see that. So then it looks less like put some distance on it or something or even just like the hands come around or something like that. Because I like the sense of, oh, you're actually still in the dream, the like psychological aspect to it. And I thought that was interesting. But I think with just, retrospect, they would have. Like, it was just yeah. a panic, you know? Like, they were forced to film something else quickly, and this is what happened. And he yeah. ended reluctantly. Didn't want yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. All right. I, we're obviously going to keep talking about these as we go through the questions, but we're going to be able to rope right. Katie in a bit more now because we're going to get into two questions. What? 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 <laughs> Sorry, huh? Katie. Huh? Did you wake up? <laughs> I'm just honestly, as you're talking about it, it occurred to me you watch these three films, and I'm very happy. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> 
Poor choices. Sad it wasn't there for it. All right, so we're going to go into a weird sort of quiz. I've not taken great care in how I've structured this, so I apologize if they're not in a great order. And then I'll expand a little bit. I want Shannon to answer first, and then Katie, you can do an answer because we obviously you have an advantage. You might know some of these facts and have seen some of these things, but whether you remember or not, let's find out. You're looking pretty dozy yeah, now after, after an hour of not talking, so <laughs> see what happens. All right, number one. Shannon, which of these three films do you think made the most money? I'm going to say Halloween. Okay. Katie? I think it was Halloween. It was indeed Halloween. It was made for... Now, again, this is without inflation, but it was made for $300,000. Oh, my God. And it made $70 million. (gasps) Wow. And again, this is all just at the box office. Wow, wow, wow. It was the biggest independent film of all time (laughs) for a long time. Wow. Friday the 13th Part 2 made $22 million on a $1.2 million budget. The original Friday the 13th made $60 million on a $500,000 budget. So very wow. nearly uh, leveled with Halloween. A Nightmare on Elm Street, $25.5 million on a one8 People were a little bit more tired of things by then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it wasn't doing quite as well. But still, like very low budgets for all these films. But 300000 So 300000 people wondering now, adjusted for inflation, is about a million pounds. Sorry, a okay. million dollars. Which for the first Halloween <laughs> is... Pretty great. Question two. Okay. Which of these franchises had the most sequels? I'm going to say, oh, Friday the 13th? Friday the 13th for Shannon. Katie? She's I counting them. I think that's right as well. You're both right. It is Jason yeah. with 12 sequels. Oh, well, 12 films. They're still trying to get that 13th one made. Friday the 13th, 13th. Oh, yeah. That has to happen, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. They've had some that's been going on for ages. And they've had some, like, there hasn't been a new Friday film now for 10 years. And it's very oh, really? upsetting. Yeah. Halloween has had 11 films. Nightmare has had nine. That said, Halloween's got two more greenlit right now. So that'll be jumping in. Yeah. Question number three. How many, and we spoke this one a little bit earlier, but, uh, well, sort of, how many, if any, of these series would eventually go to space? Oh. <laughs> well, I guess just the one. Hard to tell. So I'm going to say one. I mean, Freddy's pretty crazy. Okay. You're going for the one and you're saying, of course, which one? <laughs> Oh, sorry. Friday the 13th. Friday. Okay. Obviously, Katie knows. Yes, it is Friday. But the 10th installment, Jason X, as he goes to space. Jason X. With one of the best kills in the whole series. The kills are phenomenal in that film. Elon Musk names his thing SpaceX. Is it a nod to Jason? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Probably. That makes sense to me. That tracks. happy. I'm happy. All right, question number four. Which franchise would feature actors from the original film returning to play themselves in an early example of meta commentary? Oh, to play. Which of these three franchises would feature actors from the original film returning to play themselves, not the characters, in an early example of meta commentary? I'm going to say, oh, fuck. I (laughs) got. I mean, I feel they like Halloween because Jamie Lee Curtis has done like five of these, right? So well, I'm going to say Halloween. get to that question later. <laughs> Halloween? Wait, say I, I'm confused by this question. Which franchise will feature so actors from the original play film themselves. playing themselves, playing who they really are in real, in life, real life with their real names 
and some of their real setups in life as well. Some of the uh, other real characters. I fucking know this. You definitely do, but I feel we deactivated your brain for the last hour. I really, I think I did actually take a nap with my eyes open. All right. We've got Halloween for Shannon. Katie, just say one. God damn it. That's not one. I'm trying to think of all these movies at the same time. It's really difficult. That sounds like a poor choice. I'm going to be upset if I get it wrong. No, I'm fine. You just need to say something. I think I'm also going to say Halloween because I think that sounds more vaguely familiar than Friday the 13th. You are both incorrect. (gasps) It is Nine on Elm Street. With part I seven, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which came out in 1994, I think it was 94, just before he did Scream, which is known as the first real sort of postmodern slasher film. Before that, he'd already done it a lot, lot more, where Heather Langkamprey uh, returned, John Saxon returned, Wes Craven plays himself as a director trying to pen a new Freddy movie. Everyone's living in LA. It actually reflected real things that were happened to Heather Langkamp where she was being stalked by someone. She was married to an effects artist. She is in the film. And it's a very, like, he wrote the first truly interesting meta film where everyone's playing themselves and dealing with how Freddy has haunted their lives. But then Freddy, a real version of Freddy, designed differently, played by the same actor, but with different makeup, tries to come into the real world because he grows more powerful. Basically, the more stories are told about him. And it's this very strange movie. I should have known it was him just because of Scream. That he would be the meta guy. Yeah. People either hate that film or they love it. You can go back to our series to see how we feel about it. But yeah, Wes Craven's a very interesting man. It's just they like him. I mean, he sadly passed now, but he was a very well-read and interesting, intelligent person and was at least trying things. Question number five. Which of these now famous actors did not start their career in a slasher film? Okay. Okay. Ready? Was it? And it could be multiple. It's up to you. Leonardo DiCaprio, George Clooney, Tom Hanks, Amy Adams, or Charlize Theron? Leonardo DiCaprio, George Clooney, Tom Hanks, Amy Adams, or Charlize Theron? Which one did not start their career? And it may not, you know, not necessarily their first film, but, you know, early on in their career in a slasher film. Oh. I'm going to say Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Why? Too adorable. What? Because How he do started you decide so... what starts their career, though. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Okay, which one didn't have a role in a slasher film very early in their career? I, yeah, he just started so much younger than most of those people. So that's why I'm saying Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Same again. Leo, George Clooney, Leonardo... Tom Hanks, Amy Adams, or Charlize Theron. Amy Adams. So Shannon is correct. <laughs> But it was an almost trick question because they actually all were in horror films very, very early in their career. However, Leonardo was the only not in a slasher film. He was in Critters 3. Ah. George Clooney was in Return to Horror High as well as Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Tom Hanks was in He Knows You're Alone. Amy Adams was in Psycho Beach Party. And Charlize Theron was in Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest. Hmm. See, I immediately eliminated the women because I was like, well, that's that's how you start your career in Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) You should have put Mila Kunis in there so I would have at least been able to knock one down that I've seen. Question six. Does Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees ever speak in a future installment? Do I have to pick which one would speak? Uh, You can say both or you can say neither. I've oh, and we're not include we know like a grunt 
isn't speaking. You know, we have mm-hmm. to have words. I feel like in one oh, of the more I know this. <laughs> recent ones, I feel like there was a whole thing of like one of them did speak or it's huh, and it's upsetting. Ah, I'm going to say <laughs> good noises. I think one of them does speak eventually. And I'm going to say that it's Jason because they seem to give less of a shit in that franchise. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's that Jason. He good. talks through that hockey mask at some point. <laughs> that's a very good answer because he gives less of a shit. <laughs> Katie. I know for sure that Michael does. <laughs> I don't think Jason does. So, yeah, Katie is correct. Michael Myers actually does a whole bunch of speaking in, well, so once they get to the remakes, Rob Zombie concentrates largely on him as a kid after he's done the killing. So, there's a lot of him in therapy and a lot of sessions uh, chatting to- With a lot of hair. (laughs) With a lot of emo hair. I didn't think about that as him as a kid. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, not him as- a masked gotcha. killer now, with but. Jason and some people are going to get upset with this I'm ruling he doesn't uh, technically in the first movie when he's drowning you do hear him call out but that's before in my mind he's become Jason and then there is another time and Jason goes to hell but that movie was like in a weird abandoned evil dead sort of script and it's actually about possession and he's not Jason when he does it he's possessing his they kill him Shannon in the opening scene and then the mortician eats his brain for no reason oh god and then his spirit goes from character to character so yes he does speak because his spirit is in these people but it's not Jason uh, well, so, I would also like him. to point out that didn't you just tell me earlier in this that the soundtrack is actually Jason going, so fuck you, I'm right. <laughs> nice try. Yeah, but he but also no, said no, no grunting, and those aren't full words. They're just sound. I, well, I mean, kill, kill, kill. if we're going to go to kill with it, then you know what? No points for you, <laughs> Shannon. We're moving on. <laughs> Question number seven. <laughs> And we're going to bring things down a bit because I can admit this question maybe. This is a dark question. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> should I admit it? Yeah, maybe I'll admit that one. Do you want a dark question or not? Yeah. I feel we've changed the tone already. Sure. Give it Which to me. of these franchises would feature an actress whose character was dealing with repressed memories of being sexually abused by her father? And while shooting these scenes, she began to unearth her own repressed memories of actually being abused as a child. Oh, God. That's pretty terrible. Yes. Particularly when you look at the quality of these franchises. If this is really the dynamic you want to be revealing to yourself some terrible past. I mean, I guess I'm going to say the Friday the 13th franchise just because, you know, they've already got kid diddling, so. You mean Nightmare? Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Nightmare. Nightmare. Sorry. Yes, I meant Nightmare. I don't like this word diddling, by the way. It upsets me. Diddle diddle. (laughs) Oh, so I think it's, it's like good. It's too, it's too playful. It's like yeah, the, yeah. Like just the word. Katie, Ugh. I think I remember in Friday the Thirteenth that there, with the kinesis and everything, that there is a throwback to her father being abusive to her, or not abusive, but like, yeah, there's untoward history there, and I want to say that it was that because I feel like Nightmare might be too on the nose, so. I'm going to go with the other one. 
Well, we're dealing with slasher films, so you got to be on the nose. I'm afraid it is a Freddy film. It is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, directed by a woman. And really, we'll talk about it in a minute because, oh my God, that movie. But yeah, it was Leslie Dean who plays Tracy in the film. And in this very extensive Never Sleep Again documentary, she revealed that, yeah, it was during the shooting of the scenes that she suddenly realized oh, things God. that had happened to her that were the same as the character in the film. Uh, All right, uh, let's get happy again. Pretty terrible. Question eight. Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey would both star in a slasher sequel. Was it one of these three franchises or was it something else? And you'll get an extra point if you can name the actual franchise, whether it is one of these or something else. Uh, Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger? In the same movie, both starring, not little roles, like throughout the entire film. I'm going to say it's none of these because let's be contrary and i'm gonna throw out is it a slasher series or is it anything horror slasher we're only talking about slashes yeah oh i don't know enough of what is texas chainsaw i don't know is that a slasher or just terrible (laughs) it's a slasher great well debatable but yeah that's literally the only other name i can think of so (laughs) that's also what i was gonna say so really let's go with that yeah you both get two points (laughs) it was indeed Allie's favorite Texas Chainsaw yeah. Part Four: The Next Generation. I can't believe Matthew McConaughey with a radio remote controlled leg, which he literally has to hold like a remote control for, and oh, there's an yeah. entire scene where people are fighting over the remote control. Oh my god! <laughs> and Renee Zellweger in an incredible dress. Okay. By the way, Katie's just one point behind right now. That's where we're at. Ooh. Question number nine. Which of these franchise villains, we're back to just talking about our three films. Okay. Which of these franchise villains would go on to not only put out an album, but also a rap single? Oh, it's got to be Freddy. He's an idiot. (laughs) I mean, is merchandising being idiotic? You're both correct. It is indeed Freddy Krueger. He did a rap single with the Fat Boys in 1980. Uh, when was that? 1987. I suggest you go onto YouTube and check that one out. And then in 1987, no, thank you. Freddy's greatest hits came out with such hits as "Down in the Boiler Room," oh as well God. as "Don't Sleep," and of course the classic "Do the Freddy." Oh God! <laughs> Which I presume is not "Do the Freddy," but more of like a dance move. But who yeah. knows? Well, maybe he's just trying to, you know, get kids to do oh, this Freddy. Oh, <laughs> well, that's kind of his whole thing. All right. How many times would Jamie Lee Curtis return to the Halloween series? Oh, oh. going to make me count. Okay. You did a stab in the dark earlier, Shannon. I did do Was a stab right in the dark. Or- you know what? I'm going to stick with my original gut instinct of five times. She returned five times. That means overall six times. Oh, wait. No, I want an overall of five times. So she returns. Oh, an overall of five times. Yeah, so she returns okay. four times, I guess. Okay. I want it to be an overall. And we're over- talking about completed released films. We know there is stuff still being yes. shot and about to come out. But like- yes, I'm going to say five times total. Again, it's been so long since I've seen these. I feel bad. But I know she's in the third one. I know she's in H2O. I know that she's in the new one. I'm trying to remember if she's in any other ones. I think just three. So you're going for four overall then? Yeah. Are those both your final answers? Yes. Uh, yeah. Somewhat incredibly, Shannon's right with five. 
she comes back five yeah. or she's total five? She's total, total five. five times. So yeah. she's. I was going to say four. Now I can't remember. She's in the, the first one, one obviously. She's in the second one, not the third one. She returns with part seven, H2O, directed by Steve Miner, who did Friday the 13th, part two and part three. He did Halloween seven, which many people don't like. It's my personal favorite 90 slasher movie, even more than Scream, as Josh Hartnett has. What Michelle, what's a face from Dawson's Creek? This is the insanity of this series, Shannon. Mm-hmm. That was Jamie Lee Curtis coming back to go, we're going to finish the trilogy one, two, forget everything else, and then seven. That's the Jamie Lee Curtis, the Laura Strode trilogy. The ending of it, gotcha. I won't spoil. I think it's actually the best ending in any of the Halloween films and in almost any slasher film. I think it's a fantastic last scene. And that's really why I love the movie so much. But then, of course, you have to make another one. So she had, in order to get the trilogy she wanted, she had to sign on to have at least a cameo in the next film. And they do. She's back in the opening scene of part oh, eight God. in order to kill her character <sighs> off. In a terrible scene. And then in the insanity of this series. It's more like a throat, like it's just a remembering scene almost. No, it's It's 15 minutes. It's a whole big thing. That's not a lot. No, but she's in it and it's all new footage. I know. And then in 2018, she comes back again, but they decided to forget that one and number seven. So she's done like her ending twice now where she's like, oh, forget it all. Oh, no, but now also forget the one that I already did this with. And to confuse it even more, there are three films in the Halloween franchise just called Halloween. Crazy. Okay. What a fucking hot mess. Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense to me. Literally, my reasoning for this was like, okay, I think that there's like nine or ten. And I feel like she'd probably reasonably do like around half. (laughs) Well, you're correct. When Katie's upset. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this game's stupid. Yeah. I don't want to play anymore. See if we can do this one. Question 12. Two out of these three series have sequels where the lead villain doesn't even bother to show up. Which two franchises are we talking about? So, wait, two of these series. Two out of have these three sequels? series have sequels where the lead villain doesn't even Sequel. bother to show up. Yeah, we're not including Friday the 13th. Part one. Okay, that was where he also because he does technically actually show up in that as well, but just not as you know. I'm oh, where the lead villain doesn't even bother to show up. Doesn't it can't be fucked. I mean, you got a fairly good chance. We only got three. You just got to obliterate one of them, and you'll still get a point, even if you don't know why. I mean, I feel like it's. I'm gonna say Friday the Thirteenth. Because just by the sheer fact that there's more of them, so, you know, two of them. And that's the one. So, yeah, two series. You just got to, so you've only really got to pick the one that, where the villain is there for all the sequels, basically, because you're picking two where the villain doesn't show up for at least one sequel. Oh, so two of the three full series. Two of the three, they don't show up. I don't know how else to say it, Shannon. I'm I'm using my words and everything. Friday the 13th, and I'm going to say Nightmare, because that shit seems cray. (laughs) Katie yeah there's one that Freddy is just like a giant duck (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna say Friday the 13th and Halloween Mm. Katie is correct it is Friday Ah. the 13th part 5 which actually takes place in a mental asylum with Tommy Jarvis trying to get over things you think Jason's there but nope somebody else pretending to be Jason and then Halloween 3 season of the witch Katie's personal favorite (laughs) 
<laughs> which is literally just it has nothing to do. There's Halloween, the first film is playing on the TV in the background, but they wanted to, at some point to turn Halloween into an anthology movie of like each year would be a different Halloween movie just with the brand title. Nothing to do with Michael Myers. Fucking Didn't go down worst. well. So part four was called The Return of Michael Myers when they realized, oh yeah, people want to see Michael doing the stabbies. Uh, yeah, thing. Uh, Shannon gets one point. Katie got two. Snakes being popping out of fucking dumb Halloween now. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people love that movie now. It's had like this weird resurgence. Of people really defend it, and Katie's enjoying upsetting our listeners because we know at least two of our listeners love it. <laughs> uh, Although they stopped listening a long time ago. <laughs> so fuck it all. Yeah. Question thirteen. We're getting it. near the end. Don't worry. Which of these franchises remakes? And they've all had remakes, at least one. Which of these franchises' remakes did Michael Bay produce? Did Michael Bay produce? Mm-hmm. Our friend, old Baster, old Bayonet, he produced at least one of four remakes. We've got two Halloween. Actually, I'm just going to take out the new one because it's technically a sort of weird sequel. We've got Rob Zombie's Halloween. We've got A Nightmare on Elm Street, and we've got Friday the 13th. At least one of those three Michael Bay produced. I'm going to say Friday the 13th, mainly because it seems more like sexploitation stuff, and that seems right up his alley. (laughs) Good logic. I know that this is one of the ones that I have covered, because I remember talking about this. Oh, this is frustrating. I think... I'm going to get this wrong. I think it's Friday the 13th, because I think I remember Justin talking about this. So you are both correct. Yeah. Friday the 13th, the remake, was produced by Michael Bay. You could have had an extra point because he also produced A Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Uh, I was trying to decide between those two, because those seemed more up his alley. You didn't want it. Um, And you're correct, Friday the 13th. A Nightmare on Elm Street, actually, I don't think there's any nudity. And Friday the 13th, oh boy. Yep. whole bunch of them boobs and a bit one of the most classic scenes and whenever you like google best nudity in a horror film probably at number one you're gonna get a friday 13th remake with you know lovely friend juliana giel i say friend i met her once for a casting (laughs) she was an incredibly lovely person yeah i'm obsessed with her i think she's great she's great and she is entirely naked for most of that scene for a long long time and there's even a douchebag work it Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a douchebag yeah. she's having sex with who like during sex tells her she's got perfect nipple placement. <laughs> oh, I mean, God. she's not wrong. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a Michael Bay film. Yep. yep. It's a weird movie. Yeah. yeah. She literally like stomps around in a parking lot of a motel in nothing but stilettos. Oh, no. That's, oh, no. That's, I'm thinking of That's Val- my bloody the, Valentine. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking my bloody Valentine. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, what is this scene? They say it now. Friday the 13th is just like, I mean, it depends. In the uncut version, Jason's actually watching at the window. <laughs> well, at least two are having sex for like 10 full minutes. But anyway. Yeah, I have to go back. Also, sounds like yeah, a Michael Bay should. film. You should. It's a good film. Four questions left. Exciting. <gasps> Anybody's game still. Question 14. Which of these iconic villains, and I mean the three we're talking about, which of them would go on to play a Nintendo video game in a future installment of the franchise. Freddy. Katie's in the yeah. recesses of her brain. <laughs> Shut you're, up. You're both correct. It is Freddy. 
Yeah, I know he he's the only one that does like really weird shit, I feel like, right? The gift yeah. that is Freddy's dead, the final nightmare will also have him skateboarding, turning into a cartoon character, pretended to be the Wicked Witch of the West, is it? Or the East? Which one's the evil one? West. West. Congratulations. Freddy yes. is a fucking nightmare. Number 15. Which of these franchises featured a sequel where the director instructed the cop duo in the film to, quote, walk like penguins, and then he overdubbed honking noises to their footsteps? The <laughs> Which of these fuck? franchises has a sequel where the director instructed the cop duo, and I quote, to walk like penguins, and then overdubbed a every time <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm going to say Freddy, because that universe seems more fucked. I don't you know. You would fucking think so, wouldn't you, Shannon? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought of this because a dear, dear friend of ours, good old Jerry, who I love desperately, put up something positive about this film the other day. And I'm sorry, Jerry, this film's hot trash. <laughs> Halloween. It Halloween? Halloween 5, Terrible. The Revenge of Michael Myers. Katie is correct. Oh, that's so upsetting to me because it, it doesn't least make any these, sense. Yeah, it well, in amongst make these three, sense. based on like the only film of it I've seen, I sort of hold it to a higher standard. I feel like <laughs> you right. Have you not been listening to the ruins? No. <laughs> I got to send you the clip of the like, Paul Rudd. Him. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Rudd when he comes out and he stopped Michael Myers by putting tiny rocks in a circle around him, and Michael can't move, and he literally just got rocks from outside in the in the gravel. And he can't move. And then Paul Rudd runs outside really excited because, oh my God, he's so excited to be in a fucking movie. And he smiles at the camera and says, the power of the ruins stopped him. Oh my God. And it's so yep. good. It's so good. That's upsetting. Uh, Last I, I'm two not going to lie, like, the, a good solid half of Halloween, you'd be fine, Shane. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> oh, no, you don't need a, there's no problem with that. It doesn't make any sense. If you're like, when if you got, you would have troubles with Rob Zombie's interpretation. Oh, that's yeah. Weird. That's true. Um, so there are two last questions, and I don't want to make this extra tense, but you're both even right now. <gasps> oh, no. Uh, you're yeah. literally playing for nothing. Let me remind you there is you nothing at stake here. I'm always playing for something pride. <laughs> that ship is way out in it's the distance. It's the only way I'll get some. <laughs> Can't even see its wake lines anymore. Yeah. Question 16. How many, if any, of these franchises had their original director return? Oh. And how I don't many? want to spoil it, but in this podcast we've discussed, we've given you all the clues. But how many, if any, of these franchises did their original director return? Is it extra points if we say how many and then which ones? Ooh. Yeah, why not? Overachiever. What? Yeah, why no, not? I was Overachiever. more just trying to figure out what the answer to the question was, if it's just a number or if we were meant to be saying which one. Oh, yeah. No, you meant to say which franchise. I'm well, then- going to say two. And I'm going to say Nightmare. Okay. And Halloween. I said it very slowly because I am unsure. <laughs> okay. Okay. The best way to deliver unsure news is to draw it out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say Nightmare and I'll say Friday the 13th. Okay. Well, 
since you both said two, I have to rule you out because oh. there's only one. So neither of you oh. get a point, I'm afraid. I uh, otherwise, you could right. otherwise, you could just say all three and get a fucking point. <laughs> so, Halloween did not. John Carpenter returned many times to executive produce. He returned to write. He returned to do music. He never returned to direct, even though they wanted Ew. him for H2O. What they a bitch. apparently wanted him for new one. Friday the 13th, the original director, Steve Cunningham, I believe, I think that was his name. Was well, he the producer? But anyway, that director did not return. Steve Miner, or a bit of a trick question because Shannon did watch the sequel. He did return that's for part I three. That's what I meant. But the original director did not. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven did indeed return, as we said, to do his meta commentary with Wes Craven's new nightmare in the mid-90s just before Scream. So that's the only one where the original director returned. No points. Which means Ooh. it all Hi. comes down to this. <gasps> We're just going to tie. The last question. I'm going to have to figure out. All right. We're going to need to get an extra point here. We are have to have like a tier system. All right. Like I've tears got it. for fear. So the question fears. is very simple. Which of these iconic villains has racked up the most kills? But you're going to get an extra point. If you guess the closest to that number. Oh. Uh, and that is okay. if you both said the same character, I guess. Because if you don't say the same character, then the extra point doesn't matter. I'm going to say, oh, racked up the most. I'm going to say Jason. Okay, let's wait and see what Katie says. And then it will depend on, you don't need to say. Okay. You know, to points. If you've said different ones, then. Uh, all I have are scenes from Hellraiser anymore. flashing through my brain, and that's not helping. Me. While, while you're like, thinking, they killed a lot. I was like, that's boom. not helping. While you're thinking, so there's a lot of like, if you go on YouTube, you can always put in like kill counts, and they will guide you through every single kill. There's lots of like loads of like lists online of how many kills there are in each one. There's some great graphs where they have like little stick people, and they show how they died in different like poses. I was also trying to find one for which film featured the most amount of boobs. No uh, one's made that list. <laughs> What? That's surprising yeah. to me. I mean, I can safely say Jason, but I wanted yeah. an exact amount, an exact number. No one's made that list that I could find. Well, it's so tough if you know where it is, I haven't me. watched all of the nightmares, so I can't. I don't want to just go out on a limb and guess for Freddy, but I think second, like the one that I know for sure of those two is Jason, more over Michael. So I'll just say Jason. So if you're both saying Jason, you both now got to give a number. Okay. I'm going to go for a, a good old repetitive. Wait. Hold, okay. Hold on. Let me think logically about this. <laughs> got to do some math. Yeah. I'm going to go for a good old repetitive number that invokes a little bit of the devil and say 66. 66 kills from Shannon. I do want to remind you. Is it closest you. without going over? Huh? Yeah. Is, is it closest? Is right rules? Yeah, closest without going over? Oh. No, I'm just going with closest. Oh, okay. What were you going to remind you? I do want to remind you, Katie, of two things. Number one, this is the point that would win you the game if you were yeah, correct I with Jason. Yeah, I freaking know. Number two, you're playing for nothing. doesn't matter at all. Uh, Very again, important. Midwest Girl Pride. I don't know yeah. if you missed that or not. But No, I don't miss West Girl Pride. <laughs> <laughs> How rude. <laughs> 66 kills from Shannon. That's what she thinks the old J-Boy has done. Yeah. Well, what does 66. Katie believe? Well, How active is he? the 66s and say 99. Oh, 99 shit. from Katie. I can tell you 
that one of you is the winner because factually one of you has to be. <laughs> well, we could neither one be if we got Jason. I know, you're both correct. Wrong. It is indeed Jason. So let's Yay! work our way up the list, shall we, to see who is closest. Freddy okay. has had a paltry 39 kills. Boo. Together, Freddy. That's it. Loser. Boo. Now, when I reveal number two, it's going to reveal who's won. Michael Myers, oh, no. <laughs> 121 kills. Holy shit! <laughs> Jason Voorhees, well, like, 157 kills from Jason Voorhees. How, wait, how he many fucking kills? cuts through them. Like, there's a great cornfield party in Freddy vs. Jason where oh, he just yeah. hacks through a whole bunch of them. I knew there was one. I was like, I know there's absolutely a scene where he just fucking levels oh, genocide yeah. level of Jason people. is a killing machine. Oh. Freddy toys with them way too much. He's having yeah. a lot of fun in the dreams. And Michael's yeah. just too polite. Again, he's like a cat. Yeah. Sometimes he just wants a, a cuddle. But yeah, Jason was, rarely wants a cuddle. I was thinking there were like, what, six kills in this one? So, and there's like been, <laughs> what, 11, 12 films? So I was just doing yeah. that math. 157 <laughs> kills. Yeah. Holy oh, shit. That cornfield scene is so good. Now I want to go so back good. and watch Freddy that. Freddy versus Jason. That's a party movie. Yeah, I had no questions about that, about which ones have gone up against each other, because obviously they're the only two titans. That means Katie sneaks ahead at the last moment with one extra point. As you should. Well played, well Katie. Done. Well played. <laughs> well, again, I did have the advantage over Shannon, but I accept my victory. Thank you. I had some Shannon. very fortunate guesses. <laughs> you did. I was you surprised. did noble. You did very well. And I feel like you've learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So Certainly. as we edge to the end of our first episode of this weird new series, I do want to let people know because people we're doing- are still unsure of what we're doing, I'm sure. <laughs> what yeah, the fuck 100%. is happening? Because we're doing, I'm a little unsure. I've got to be honest, right now I still have doubt. Do I want to commit to this for the next 10 weeks? Because this is going to take us way into 2020. This is going to take us all the way through into the 2020s, into February, I believe. It's a long series. It's 10 episodes. Oh. Um, at, well, 11 episodes because we're doing two one week. Oh, God. <laughs> I think we're going to have a good time. There's going to be some killing. There's going to be some masks. There's going to be Chopping. some boobs. There's going to be some other things that we won't reveal yet, but yeah, There's some There's going to be a lot of Shannon deep breathing. <sighs> I think you're going to be fine. We picked some fun ones other than week two. That's going to be a nightmare for you. Oh, but- yeah. <laughs> well, we'll be sure to schedule that on a week that James is in town, please. <laughs> I am excited as always. Guys, thanks for chatting. This was a weird episode, but it was fun. This Shannon, really honestly, weird. so lovely of you to, to do this. <laughs> No, I mean it sincerely. Like, you didn't need to do that. And I do think it was the right thing to do because it's so hard to talk about these films without the context of what is a good slasher film. And I think you can appreciate Halloween, I think you're agreeing. Do you understand why that's a great film? Yeah, I get that. I get that. Friday, you get that it's a party film, but you're just not digging it. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Nightmare. I think you're appreciating there's some good stuff there, some artistry, but it's just too nasty for you. Yeah, 100%. I can appreciate, especially I feel like that one, there's been so many pop culture references that i'm now like putting together so it's cool to like have an understanding of all of those things so i guess the real question is of your own volition obviously with us because when else would you would you ever watch another one of any of these franchises probably no but if i had to choose one of them it would be halloween like i am more interested to see what happens with the jamie lee curtis of it all 
If you ever did any more one day way in the future, then yeah, we would get together. We'd watch H2O so you could see how Jamie Lee Curtis wanted to continue it. And then everyone decided that wasn't canon and then tried again with the new ones. <laughs> so you can see just how wicked I think just as a filmmaker, it's intriguing to see how differently you can tackle. Yeah, let's retcon all of this and try again. Gotcha. <laughs> Very strange. Gotcha. All right. Well, until next Friday, which I'm going to tease in a little bit of a second. So stick around for that fun tease. Yeah. Head on out to the Weird Geeks. Please do email us, mail at weirdgeeks.com or fuck you at weirdgeeks.com. Please do, again, subscribe and rate. It's the only thing you can do that helps us out. We do it all, all of it for free. But if you do want to give us some money, then you can go on the iTunes and type in Ghostlight Racehorse or Starfish Soundtrack and buy one yeah. of those things. We actually get your money. We price them very cheaply um, because, you know, it's all trash. Or you can go onto Hulu now and watch Starfish, or you can go to iTunes and actually pay for it, which would be very much appreciated, or Amazon, Reddit, whatever you want to do, Voodoo, Xbox, PlayStation, all those places. Your support is appreciated. And again, not just with our independent film, but with any independent film you see, please go online. Please talk about it on Letterboxd, on IMDb, on Rotten Tomatoes. Even if you don't like it, try to be constructive. You can say, I don't like this. I think this is terrible. But explain why. But your voice is important and the conversation around these films really changes everything that's going to happen for these for the creators so please do that i'm mr al white on all the social medias also on the xbox if you want to play friday the 13th and guess what shannon when you play friday the 13th the video game oh God. which is people online someone's playing as jason other people are playing as the counselors you're trying to get out and there's a super secret well it's not super secret anymore but it was for a while you could play as a character you could find jason's hut his mum's head is there. You can get the jumper and put it on. And it's part of this long chain of events that you have to do that are very complicated in order to actually kill Jason in the game. There's only one way to do it. And the jumper is a part of that. It's very cool. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> but yes, Mr. L. White and all that stuff. Katie, what about you? I'm my dearest Watson on Instagram and then Watson dearest on Twitter. Shan. I am Shannon Hollander on Instagram. And that's the only social media i really use so just do that next week it's thanksgiving so i hope you all enjoy some food and then the day after thanksgiving you can tune back in for our Best first episode <laughs> katie's favorite day of the year mm, which will so be followed good. up by shannon's nom, favorite nom, day nom, of the nom, year nom, nom. terror train uh, <laughs> 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 you're regretting things <laughs> You get Jamie Lee Curtis back. You get Jamie Lee Curtis. She is back again. It's like How prom night, but on a train. And you're going to have done the trifecta. You'll have done the okay. fog, prom night, and terror train. Yeah. The Jamie trifecta. Very exciting. Whew. Okay. I will. I'll, I'll, and, uh, terror I'll, train's I'll, a film. I'll get ready. I would love to remake terror I'll train. Which probably tells you everything you need to know about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next yeah, Friday. Until then, does. we're out. Geeks. 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 Yeah.